Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're going to be going through the introduction to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is the next book in our reading. Um, just praying and it seemed like the right thing to, the right book to read. And so we'll be moving on and going through it. But right now I want to go through the introductions and basically read what from both A.W. Tozer and the ESV Study Bible and get some really good background for us on what is being covered, why, and kind of the whole outline and structure of the book. But before before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for never giving up on us. I know, Father, at times it's really challenging. It must be dealing with someone like me. And Lord, I'm grateful for the way you love me. And Father, as we go through and start reading 1 Corinthians, I pray our hearts, my heart, my mind, and my spirit would be open to you, that truly we would understand the message, that we would understand what you want us to know, what you want us to take away, and how we apply it in our daily life, so that we can love you with our whole being and love others as we love ourselves. So, Father, I just pray for this upcoming six, 16 books that are there, that we, would, that we would be open and that we would hear from you and we would understand it. And I pray so much, Lord, that none of this would be from me, but it'd be all from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I figured in this introduction I was going to read um, what A.W. Tozer says, and then also from what they say from the ESV Study Bible, because they're they're a little bit different and they come with different different perspectives, and I think they're they're both very valid. The Study Bible is a little bit more of an academic perspective, and Tozer is you know Tozer. So anyways, let's start with A.W. Tozer. He gives us the background on the city. It says the city of Corinth was a major seaport and the capital of Acacia in Greece. Two thirds of the city's population were slaves. Corinth boasted many temples, the most famous being to Aphrodite, goddess of love. Because of the temple's prostitutes, the city was identified with its morality, immorality. The city also had a Jewish community evidenced by archaeological remains of a, of a synagogue. The author of 1 Corinthians is attested to in the book's first two verses. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sothenes to the church of, of God in Corinth. Paul is also cited as the author in chapter 16, verse 21. Paul feels responsible for the Corinthian church since he helped found it while on his second missionary journey. When Paul writes 1 Corinthians, the church is struggling with disunity, immorality, and the general difficulty of living as godly believers in a secular culture. Paul encourages them in unity and through Christ. He confronts sin in the church, community, and comments about the advisability of marriage. He advocates freedom in Christ lived out responsibly for the sake of the larger community. Towards the end of the admonishing text, Paul gives a critical teaching 
about the celebration of the Lord's Supper and the church as a body with many members or parts, each with its specific function. Buried in this teaching is often cited chapter 13, verses 1 through 13, on the virtue of love or charity. Yet another memorable passage draws the reader's hope to the resurrection and the resurrected Christ. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 15, verse 57. Paul's first letter to the believers in Corinth was written in Ephesus around 55 AD. He, he highlights as an outline the need for unity, sins that separate, which are usually sexual sins, lawsuits among believers, and other sexual sins. He also highlights instructions for living and greetings and instructions. So that's from Paul, I mean from um, Tozer. Now if we look instead and read what the ESV Global Study Bible notes say, this is much more of a... <coughs> topical, and like I said, kind of a more academic approach. Again, it talks about that Paul is the, is the author of the letter written somewhere between 53 AD and 55. There were actually four letters that were written to the Corinthian church. Just these two, first and second, are maintained and were preserved. One was uh, was a previous letter that's actually mentioned in, in chapter 5, verse 9 of 1 Corinthians. And then there's a, thir- a third one that was also covered, and it was mentioned in 2 Corinthians 2, 3 through 4. But only one and two have survived. The theme uh, that this study Bible talks about is the Corinthian church divided because of the arrogance of its more powerful members should work together for the advancement of the gospel. They should repent of their rivalries, build up the faith, of those who are weak and witness effectively to unbelievers. The purpose, they say, is that Paul received an oral report and a letter from the Corinthian church. These revealed a church struggling with division, immorality, idolatry, and theological confusion. He wrote them this letter so that they would become a true dwelling place for God's spirit, stay faithful to the gospel, and be guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The main themes they talk about as the church is the dwelling place of God's spirit. Thus, the people who make up the church should work for unity by building each other up. Christians should work, should build up the church in four practical ways. They should be sensitive to those with fragile faith. They should win unbelievers to the faith. They should conduct worship services in such a way that unbelievers might come to faith. Their corporate worship should use spiritual gifts, not out of personal pride, or for elevating who has the better or evaluating who has the better gift but to build up the church uh, the third key theme is sexual relations form a union between a man and a woman as deep as the union of the believer with Christ therefore sexual activity should be confined to marriage number 4 is baptism and the lord's supper are important yet Both are less important than the personal trust in the gospel and living in the way God commands. And lastly, the fifth one is the bodily resurrection of Jesus and of his followers from the dead is a key truth of the Christian faith. The global message is is really that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant to every 
every dimension of church life. To a church facing many problems, Paul writes of God's empowering grace and the need to know Christ alone and Him crucified. There is much for the global church today to learn from this important letter. And for how it can be applied for today, the message that's there, they write, In the world, but not of the world. The heart of the problem in the church at Corinth was that the world was influencing them rather than they influencing the world. In the opening chapters especially, Paul reminds the Corinthians that the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world, and the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. He also talks about the global unity. In his final prayer for the church, Christ prayed above all for unity among the generations of believers who would follow the apostles. Yet the situation in Corinth was a mess of dissension and factions. Down through history and around the world, such disunity has often plagued God's people. This is deeply offensive to the heart of God, and it is also confusing to non-believers as they wonder why Christians don't practice what they preach. The global church is called now as much as at any other time in history to labor for unity, never by compromising doctrinal truth, but rather by celebrating our common fellowship in the family of God, wherever genuine faith in Christ is exercised. Love. The main way unity of faith will be seen is through love. Across cultures, classes, languages, and borders, nothing is more central to the Christian life than love. Indeed, love is definitive of Christian living. Beneath the various surface-level distinguishing marks of Christian people, the global church is called to clothe itself with love toward one another and towards the world. Such love, moreover, will be more than words. It will also be actions. By this we know love. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So that's that's an introduction from two different sources for 1 Corinthians. There's a lot here, and it's going to be an exciting journey. I'm looking forward to reading it with you and exploring and hearing what God has to tell us. So with that, let's close up with a quick word of prayer. Father, thank you for today, and thank you for your word. Thank you for the the insights we already can gain. I'm sitting with anticipation, waiting, excited to read your word and to understand it. I thank you for these authors who can prepare us to hear your word, who also help us with insights as we read. And so many authors have so many comments and sermons about your book, 1 Corinthians. There's a lot for us to learn. There's a lot for us to take in. But more importantly, Father, there's a lot for us to use to change our lives so that we can love you with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole being, and love others as as really as you love us. So thank you, Lord, for all of this. And I just pray as we read, you would be right there with us, opening our our eyes, our hearts, and our spirits. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.